Welcome to EdFund Teachable Moments, a podcast produced by the Education Fund. I'm Patricia Maldonado. Because of, COVID, uh, because of the COVID-19 crisis, we've retooled our programs to provide teachers, students, and the community with, with the supplies they need. To do that, we've teamed up with groups like Camilla's House to, supply, um, to get supplies from our Ocean Bank Center for Educational Materials into the hands of the people that need them the most. So joining me today is Hilda Fernandez, CEO of Camilla's House. Welcome, Hilda. Uh, thank you, Patricia. Great to be with you all. No, thank you. I know you've been really, really busy uh, these last couple of weeks. I mean, I know you're always busy, but even more so now than ever. And, um, you know, as I mentioned at the start, the Ed Fund has retooled its programs just so that it can respond better during this COVID-19 situation that we're all going through. So given the situation and the crisis, how have the needs changed for Camilla's House? Well, you know, it's really funny. First of all, let me just once again say thank you. You guys, your generosity, I cannot begin to thank you enough. Uh, how meaningful what you have already done for us, the donations that you have provided, has really literally touched just about everything that we do here from from serving the clients in our main facility. It's a little about 400 people that we have who live here in a residential congregate setting to touching the street homeless that um, come in and rely on Camilla's house um, for a meal, for a shower. It just... Um, it's amazing, and especially a lot of our subpopulations, like our homeless youth that are here mm -hmm. and trying to make you know make something happen with their lives. So I just want to start off by saying thank you. So, you know, from a day-to-day -day perspective, you know, we were we were pretty much determined from the very beginning, and we started dealing with this in um, late February, believe it or not, that we were not going to to ever stop accepting homeless people because no matter what, as you know, as as horrible and dangerous and what have you, this this. Um, pandemic could get, we knew that homeless people were always going to be much safer within our walls and out on the street. Um, we had to obviously, though, make sure that we weren't having people bring infection into our campus. So we implemented screening protocols and all of that. But we were committed to continuing if we had a vacant bed and someone on the street needed that bed to continue to make that bed available. Um, and the same thing applied to our day center program. We're the only day center in Miami-Dade County, uh, which means it's the only place where a homeless street person can walk in uh, if they're not living there and, and, and get services that residents would get, such as they get breakfast, a hot breakfast, they get lunch, uh, they can take a shower, get clean clothing, they can pick up their mail because mm. we provide mail service, the only mail service in Miami-Dade. So we, you know, we said, you know, we, those are things that we want to continue to do. It was then our responsibility to figure out how to do that safely, safely for them. Um, and obviously for our staff and importantly, safe for the clients who live here so that uh, there was no additional risk being uh, created by bringing them into our facility. So we developed a whole strategy and workaround to be able to continue to provide those essential services, uh, but in a safe way that, for everyone. That's amazing. Now, you said you started actually in February. What were you yes. doing in February? Before anybody so, you know, did anything. <laughs> so February 28th, I went back and looked at our notes. We actually... Um, we convened a planning committee. We kind of, you know, we have an awesome team. I cannot begin to tell you enough. They're just, they're so committed and they're just bright people and there's wonderful people. And we got together and honestly, we started ordering supplies. Uh, so we were ahead of the curve, you know, yeah. with masks and, you know, everything that we needed. We purchased a cleaning, a sprayer, clean, a cleaning sprayer. We ordered ozone generators, which killed germs at the molecular level. Mm -hmm. And we started getting quotes for us to retrofit some of our spaces to have reverse pressure and UV lighting so that we could, if necessary, quarantine in our own facility 
anyone who might be po- or might have been at risk of coming back as a positive case of COVID so that we, again, were able to protect our population. Um, and started looking at how we were going to have to adjust our, our operations. And by the second week of March, we had all that in place. We're, we're rolling around practically 24 hours a day of cleaning, mm-hmm. um, had, had rented wash stations inside our facility, had demarked on our floors, you know, what is social distancing. So even when people queue um, for whatever they're queuing, that they're queuing appropriately. So, um, you know, we... You know, I feel fortunate that we had such a great team that kind of sat down and thought ahead and said, how do we prepare and plan and be ahead of the curve um, so that when, you know, if this gets even worse or what have you. And I think the end product has been that we've kept our population safe uh, and healthy. That's, that's, and that's, that's amazing because you've obviously had the foresight that nobody else did. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping other people did too, but, but we were, we certainly were pretty aggressive up, you know, we want to make sure, uh, and, you know, case in point, even when we retrofitted those those rooms, it's great that we did that because you never know. You get right. clients come in and out and they can have whatever. But that's the same rooms that, that we retrofitted are rooms that we use, for example, for cold weather sheltering. When we bring in people from the street, mm-hmm. we're having that kind of setup in terms of your air circulation and whatever. It's not a bad thing. So, you know, we're like, OK, short term, very, very important. But there's a long term implication. And the investment was was certainly worth it if it kept people healthy. Now, you said the investment. I know that. Yeah, and you mentioned the education fund having helped supply you with materials. And I know that they provided about forty thousand dollars worth of supplies from the Ocean Bank Center for educational materials. Um, what what supplies do you need? I mean, I know your your need is ongoing. So if someone is listening to this, and we hope many people do, um, what kind of supplies do you need? And would you, uh, if someone wanted to donate, what should they donate? Well, for our day center clients, so those are the ones that come in again, um, who are still living on the street. uh, Masks are always going to be a great thing. Hand sanitizer, because they're coming in, but they're going out on the street. And so they're very much exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have the capacity. Like our clients were, they're the ones who live here, um, you know, we're able to give them a mask and, you know, every few days replace their mask or what have you. We date them so we know that they're not, you know, throwing them away and whatever. But, you know, when they're out on the street, they really kind of need a little, that they really, that's more of an essential issue for them because their exposure to potentially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, COVID positive people is greater. Um, and, you know, they come into our, our uh, facility and they use our clothing room and our showers. So we're always going to be in need of that. And by the way, we're seeing incredible numbers of people coming in um, in our shower program from the street. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're healthy, that's, you know, hygiene is very important for health. So we, that's why we continue to do it. It's a very difficult process for us. Everybody has to have their temperature stay, taken. They have to mm-hmm. get screened to make sure they're only taken in six at a time. So it's a really convoluted process, but we wanted to continue to provide that service. So certainly clothing, we are out of men's. I got to tell you, because Brother Gary came to see me. He's the brother that runs all of those programs for us. We were out of size 34 men's pants and shorts. So the smaller men's sizes, 30, 32, 34 pants. But we can always use clothing, T-shirts. Um, underwear, preferably new underwear um, uh, for both men and women. Um, it's always a huge need for our day center clients in particular. Uh, but the, the, the you know, things you would think they're taking showers. So, you know, travel size, uh, you know, body wash, travel size mm-hmm. shampoos, uh, you know, brushes, combs, that kind of thing. Then you guys you were awesome. You gave us, you know, you gave us some of that already. And it really makes such a difference. And then, of course, for our regular clients, you know, um, some of us, we go home and we have our little like, you know, Samsung Galaxies and we can play video games and read our you know, Kindles and whatever. I mean, we have a little over 400 people right now in our facility. And, 
because of the city's safe sheltering expectations, they only fit people that have a doctor's appointment or employment, and they're still working, are allowed to leave our campus, which means that we have a lot of people here. And we've mm-hmm. installed and we had gotten some donations of TVs, installed some TVs, um, you know, but we've, we we're constantly trying to you know, supply ourselves on like uh, uh, word searches and uh, crossword puzzles, Sudoku, you know, <laughs> adult coloring books, <laughs> you name it, so that we can. And last week we got a, a great donation of books, new books from Target. So you know, whenever we have the ability to provide um, things like that, we're going to be rolling out the old Catholic tradition of bingo, um, out, out, <laughs> outdoor bingo. So um, to keep you know, and we and we're doing outdoor movies. So. Uh, but anything like that, you know, that you may have available, if people have, you know, that uh, one person can play, if it's two people, we'll provide them sanitizer so they can sanitize. Like, for example, chess or checkers. We've got a couple of our, quite a few of our clients that play chess and they mm-hmm. want to actually do a chess tournament. They're all on campus, so they want to do that. So we're trying to work around how we're going to make that, make sure that that's, you know, healthy and safe, you know, and safe for them to do. Um, but things like that, that we can provide those kinds of activities that are meaningful activities. Now, you have to understand our clients are still seeing their case managers. We've had to, right. we've had to adapt our process for that. And do, a lot of it is telehealth and what have you. Um, but, you know, it's at the end of the day, they do uh, they, they can't leave campus and that that becomes an issue. And so we're trying to provide opportunities for them to also um, remain engaged doing something. That's 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 really amazing. And that's good that you gave us such a list. So now that, you <laughs> yeah. know, we'll we'll help promote that. Yeah, thank um, you. How about, I know that, you know, despite the fact that most people are in their homes and staying there, um, there are people who want to volunteer. Do you have volunteer opportunities or what kind of volunteer opportunities are there? So there's, there's volunteer opportunities you can do from the safety of your own home. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Uh, for our day center clients, we're still providing meals, but we cannot, you know, just too much of a risk for them to come into our dining hall right now. So what we're doing is bagged lunches and bagged breakfast. And then what we did is we set up picnic tables in an empty lot outside so they can go outside and eat open air with social distancing. So we've had Mm -hmm. any donation of like sandwiches, snack foods, things that we can put inside these uh, grab and go uh, lunches and breakfast for them, Uh, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, donations of little muffins or pop tarts, you know, things like that, that we can give them for breakfast and for lunch and put in their bags. But we, we when we get donations of sandwiches, they go a very long way for us. Um, we also have another program um, that we call a cook program, um, casseroles out of kindness. So it's on our website, but we give you three recipes and you can choose from the comfort of your kitchen at home to make one of those three recipes. All you do is you put them in an aluminum pan, you, you put a lid on it, you date it and you freeze it. And then um, you, we can, you, know, you bring them to us, whether it's one, two, 10, whatever. And what we do is uh, whenever our, our, um, our executive chef, when he develops the menu for the month, he says, okay, on the third Thursday of the month, we're going to do our turkey chili. And he pulls uh-huh. out 10 of these casseroles. Every casserole feeds 10 people. And we on, typically right now are doing you know, 350, 360 people a meal. It's a very intense period right now on our campus, precisely because people can't leave, aren't, aren't leaving our campus. So, you know, right. where people would have been out on the street maybe during lunchtime and not had lunch on our campus before, maybe breakfast they had to leave early. Now pretty much everybody, you know, everybody's eating on our campus. So um, these are the kinds of things that make such a difference because food costs are a big part of any homeless facility's expenses. Um, so these yep. casserole program is huge. And that information's on our website. Um, again, there's three recipes. They're not very complicated to make. You can make them in the comfort of your home. And, you know, we do always love having volunteers, and that's one of the things we miss the most. Because at a time when our volunteers, could, you know, we could have used their help in our dining hall, feeding all these additional people, 
Um, we appreciate right. that many folks are being cautious and, and not going out much and certainly not doing that. Um, but, we you know, we look to the very near future. We're hoping that we're going to be able to have volunteers here because we need help with everything from sorting donated clothing, sorting mm-hmm. the mail that are that is that, you know, we again, we provide mail service for street homeless in addition to our own clients, um, certainly helping in our dining hall. And there's many other ways to, to help. If you want information on that, again, I would suggest going to our website, Camillus.org, um, and you can how to participate. It tells you about a casserole program and about volunteering. Um, you know, and what the expectations or requirements are, you know, if it's going to be a the per- certain age of a person, because people want to come in families and stuff like that. But there's certainly other ways that they can help, you know, even if it's, hey, let me do a, you know, make 25 little cards of encouragement for some of our clients. Hey, you know, stay with it, um, you know, for our youth. If it's something like that where you can give them that, you know, a little note of, you know, just giving them a little cheer or what have you. Trust me, it's always appreciated by our clients when we're able to do that. So, you know, you mentioned that you're, are you at capacity? I mean, are all the beds taken? We're very close, if not at capacity, very close to capacity. It's probably some of the fullest we've been in a very, very long time. Um, There's many reasons for that. Uh, Number one, we continue to accept people. But number two, you know, we have, you know, you know, a lot of our clients here, they're, they're, they're here because they're preparing to, you know, to eventually move on to something better, right? To move into their own apartment. And guess what's happened? You know, many of them, you know, either become. And many of them who right. were employed have lost their jobs. Many of them that were on the, many of them that were on job search are not on a job search because frankly, there aren't jobs there for them to be able to apply for. Um, so it, the, the regret, hugely regrettable thing is that a lot of these guys, you know, and ladies and men, and, and men that were in, like, had such incredible momentum, they were moving through the process, completing their yeah. treatment programs, you name it. And it's really, they're just kind of in a little bit of a limbo because what's next for them right now has been halted because, you know, the, the things that would help them be, go to next aren't available. Not to mention that even if they were ready, um, you know, you can't go out apartment supposed to be doing. I um, mean, we have great relationships with landlords, but even if, you know, we can get someone to go into an apartment site unseen, you know, that's still a little bit of a challenge. That apartment has to be furnished. You know, we help them furnish the apartment with, you know, whatever they need. So um, it's an unfortunate thing because the way the system works well is, you know, as people, you know, become homeless and come in on the front end, we're moving people out because they've successfully completed what they're doing and they're ready to move on. And that right now has slowed down. It's not that it's not happening. It's just not happening nearly as much as it was happening, you know, when everything was normal and people could get a job and, you know, find an apartment. So that's an issue. Yeah. And as you mentioned, yeah, as you mentioned, so much has been, so much has changed because of this and the way you do business or, you know, the way your, your clients, um, kind of circle uh, out of the, you know, the home into their own apartment. How has it affected your funding? Um, well, so, you know, here's, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, and, and I'm sure it's not unique to us, but certainly we're feeling it. I'm going to tell you that one of the greatest ironies of life is that our FEMA, we apply for FEMA funds for Hurricane Irma, which happened in September of 2017. So everyone uh-huh. thinks that FEMA is going to be the conclusion. Oh, you know, just you know, all these nonprofits, all these folks are going to be able to apply for FEMA. Well, just to be clear, I don't know if they were cleaning their decks to get ready for the next wave of <laughs> a request. <laughs> we just got our FEMA check two weeks ago. From Oh, yes. my God. So I, I only say this because all of these things, retrofitting rooms, buying the personal protective equipment for our staff, not to mention right. masks for our clients renting wash stations, you name it, all the things we've had to do uh-huh. to be able to you know, address this 
that is money that we are, you know, that we are paying, you know, we're a nonprofit. Right. It's not as if, you know, I, uh, you know, it's, it's a very different world in the nonprofit world. So that has been a humongous challenge for us. Uh, so yeah, maybe eventually we may see two and a half years from now, um, some reimbursement for some of the expenses, but, um, and so it's a little, it's tough for us right now. And we understand, listen, we have an incredibly generous community. They appreciate, um, you know, the needs that exist in our community. And we want to thank those folks that have thought of us and have, have hurt, you know, have sent us some cash because really it has made an incredible difference in us being able to continue to do what we do and, and continue to meet our mission. Um, but it's, it is a challenge for nonprofits right now because you have all of these, who would have ever thought these were, you know, that we would have all these expenses, that we would have to be serving right. 1,100 meals a day, um, you know. So it's, it's, it's been a challenging time for us. And, um, and thank you, you know, to those of you in, the, in, our, you know, in the education fund and all of you in the community that have thought of us and, and have sent something our way. You know, it's whether you're sending supplies that we can use or, or sending, you know, a donation. It's really sincerely appreciated. So if somebody did want to donate, should they go to camillas.org? Yes, they can. And it tells you how to help for COVID. I think there's a big banner on the top um, in general. There's other places you can do that. And, again, that's the same location where you would go to get information about volunteering or the casserole program and just to find out about what we do. So I think people are surprised, you know. Uh, yeah, we started 60 years, believe it or not, 60 years ago. It's our 60th anniversary as a soup kitchen and a, a shelter. But today – uh, we serve 1,100 people in residential programs, and 700 of them, uh, roughly, are actually in permanent supported housing programs that we provide for men, women, and children. Wow. We serve families. It's not just single men and women. We serve, we have a residential, the only residential treatment program for adult victims of human trafficking. We serve veterans, wow. unaccompanied homeless youth, obviously people with mental health and substance abuse issues. Um, so we, we serve a, a, a wide spectrum of, of folks that are, have unique needs and, and uh, challenges that we're helping them overcome across all of our programs. Uh, so, you know, if you want to read a little bit about that and kind of the different programs that we do and the services that we offer, and if you're interested in helping how to go about doing that, that information is there as well. Well, you know, Hilda, you're like a wealth of information. I mean, I had, uh, I, I've always known about the Camilla's house and I, you know, I knew that it was a place for homeless people, but I didn't realize the extent of the programs. And I'm incredibly impressed by the, you know, the prep that you did in February to get, you know, to get ready for, you know, for the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, you knew when other people didn't, and it's, um, it's incredible what you've been able to accomplish. Oh, I appreciate that. And again, I, I got to give all the credit to an amazing, amazing team that I have here, really committed people. I, I don't know that people, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta bow down to the nurses and doctor, respiratory techs, phlebotomists, everybody who's working in a hospital or a clinic, because honestly, right. they are angels. But I think people seem to forget we are considered an essential service. We didn't have the option right. of saying, hey, let's shut down and send everyone home and telework. That is not the world we're in. We don't telework, okay? We got to be here. And we're here 24-7 because this is a 24-7 operation. People don't go home at 5 and show up again tomorrow morning to get served at 9. We are here 24-7. So, you know, I, I got to tell you, you can't, these things cannot happen unless you have an, an incredibly committed team. 
I mean, so much so we're so concerned about them. We're testing their temperature twice a day because <laughs> we want to make sure that they're okay. You know. But um, <laughs> it's it's an amazing team. And again, you know, we've got a, a crew that just kind of we sat down and we said, okay, you know, news is coming out here, and we are in a very susceptible position as a residential facility. We have dormitories here. We right. have congregate living facilities. You know, six in a it's like a college little six in a a six room person, and then we have dormitories. And so we we understand that. I mean, because those kinds of diseases in a homeless setting. Heck, I mean, we have plans to deal with bed bugs, let alone with, with pandemics, right? Well, so, look what's happened with nursing exactly, homes. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and so it, <laughs> it's been it's been terrible. And, uh, you know, it's, as you said, you you had to do it. We, we did. And, and, I, and then it wasn't even a minor deal. So when I say robust cleaning, apart from the fact that we are, we had, a, we bought like a spray machine and backpack sprayers and whatever. So, I mean, we spray down surfaces, on a daily basis that people would come in contact with elevator lobbies, elevators, common rooms. We spray down our dining hall between each meal. And then as a precaution, put in ozone generators in common rooms overnight because you can't have people in there when that's happening. So when I say it's almost 24 hours, I mean, basically it is because every two hours that machine gets moved to a particular, we have six machines, but they get moved around to different areas so that we can make sure we cover all those areas. So our team is working the cleaning stuff, uh, you know, basically around the clock, but, you know, again, that's what you ha- you have to do. You you're thinking about in a in a, an environment like this, making sure every, everybody you know is is that they're not touching anything that could potentially spread disease. And of course, we require our ki- clients to wear masks, and we're pretty particular about that. <laughs> we we see we see people <laughs> we're like, nope, you gotta wear your mask, gotta wear your mask. So I, I gotta you know, uh, the last few weeks I feel very heartened that you know I don't have to say it as often. I think at the very beginning people were resistant, but I think they're getting a little bit more educated and they understand that. You know, the best uh, offense is a good defense, right? So wear your mask, wear your mask. And so they're being very good about it. And, um, you know, it's tough. They're adults, mind you. You know, I understand that they're adults. But, you know, cabin fever, they've been in here since the second week of March. (laughs) Oh, my God. For some of these people, it's been really (laughs) rough. And we're trying to make it, you know, as painless as possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. How big is your staff? You mentioned so your we staff. we have 140 that's on our staff, and then we have um, contracted security. So it's about 160 mm-hmm. people. Our main campus is wow. where the bulk of our uh, employees, you know, are at. We do have nine other sites, uh, but the number of mm-hmm. employees in the nine other sites is a lot a lot fewer because of the nature of the the main campus is where we have our emergency housing and our treatment programs, and then we're you know. That is programs that are the more intense, dense residential settings as compared to people living in their own apartment in the community or in living in even in, in facilities that we own in the community, but in their own apartments because uh, it's permanent that's housing. Great. But here they're living in more of a communal setting, and, and that's why we have more intense staffing here. A lot of the services here are also more intense. Well, Hilda, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to tell us about Camilla's house and all the things that you're doing and um, the work that you're doing, especially now during the COVID-19 crisis. Um, I think we should, the community should be incredibly grateful that you do the work that you do Um, because it keeps us safe too. By being safe, we're all safer. And, um, and so it's really, it's really wonderful what you guys have done. Thank you, Patricia. And thank you, you know, giving us a chance to kind of share with you a day in the life (laughs) practically of Camilla's house right now. So if anybody wants to volunteer or donate through the different programs that Camilla's House um, offers, please go to camillas.org and you'll read all about the programs that you can get 
involved with now. And hopefully in the future, you'll be actually be able to go to the Camilla's house and, uh, and volunteer there as well. Thank you again, Hilda. And hopefully we'll, we will be back next week with another episode of Teachable Thank you. Moments. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.